Have you ever been tempted to give up or check out in your walk with God? Have you been at a place in life's journey where you felt overwhelmed and overshadowed by life's obstacles, setbacks, or heartaches? It could be you are at such a place right now, a place where you are hungering for hope. If so, then Hope Along the Journey podcast is a ministry of encouragement created specifically with you and others just like you in mind. And now, here is your host, Mark Cravens, to share a word of encouragement with you today. Thank you so much for joining us today for this episode of Hope Along the Journey. Hi, I'm Mark Cravens, and I'm the podcast host, and it's a joy to have you with us as today we interview a young man named John DeBolt, who is one of the assistant pastors here at New Life Community Church. He's our family life pastor. John, welcome to today's episode. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah. And we're doing this early in the morning. In fact, this is our second attempt to record this <laughs> because I just haven't had enough coffee in me, but uh, I'm glad you drove all the way out here to the church for us to record you this morning. Well, happy to be here, and I just want to take a moment to congratulate you. I just finished up listening to your 100th episode, Thank so you. congratulations on 100th episodes of Hope Along the Journey. Yeah, it's real exciting. We've reached a milestone. I never thought I'd that we would be doing 100 episodes when I started out. And also, um, we're at about 52,000-plus listens. And so that's been real exciting. And so, and of course, the radio ministry and everything has just been a blessing. But, uh, John, you've been part of that journey because you've been on our advisory committee ever since we started. Right. I've been wanting to say for a long time, a long-time listener and first-time caller, so I'm happy to be here today. <laughs> you, you've been listening to too much AM radio, my friend. <laughs> oh, my. Uh, before we begin today, I just uh, want to say to all of you who are listening that we appreciate your listenership, your prayers, and support of the ministry. If you would, please go to the website and subscribe to our newsletter. That site is www.hopealongthejourney.org. Again, www.hopealongthejourney.org. We'd also love for you to leave us a rating and some comments. If you listen through a venue that allows a five-star rating, would you consider giving us a nice five-star rating and leave some nice words of commendation and expressing how much you appreciate this ministry? We would love that. We'd also love to just hear from you personally. So, Drop me a message at hopealongthejourney at gmail.com. Again, hopealongthejourney at gmail.com. Or feel free to reach out to me through Facebook, Instagram. I'm also on LinkedIn, various venues that I'm connected through, and I'd love to just hear from you. John DeBolt is here today to share his story. Uh, But before we begin, John, tell us some kind of a little-known fact about you? Well, when I, uh, you'll hear some of my uh, story a little later on, but when I was younger, oddly enough, my grandma asked me, I think I was probably about 10 years old, she asked me what I wanted to be someday. And I said, I want to be two things. I want to be a preacher and a stand-up comedian. And somehow I think I found a way to bring both of those together. (laughs) Yes, you do. Yeah, you do. And then, of course, you were a youth pastor also, which kind of brings that stand-up comedian (laughs) part of into into focus. So So how many years were you that youth pastor here at Kenwood again? Well, uh, I worked with the teens for probably about 11 years. I think officially youth pastor for about seven of those years. And my children... 
were in your youth ministry. Yeah, to your daughters and a son-in-law. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And you know what? After years of therapy, they're doing fine. <laughs> that's good to hear. That's good to hear. I always like to hear an update on I where they're I just want you to know they've recovered. That's great. So that's good. <laughs> well, John, I really do appreciate you. And you know, you're, you're my right-hand guy here at the church. And uh, you and I are very close. And I count you as a dear friend. And love your love for your family, and love and appreciate your love for Jesus, and your love for the church, and means so very, very much. So I would like to begin today by just kind of setting the stage for you telling us a little bit about your family of origin and the family that you grew up in. Yeah, so I'm happy to share that with you. I um, So many people out there may know some of my story, but I, I grew up in a home that... Um, my parents were divorced when I was uh, four years old. So um, my uh, grandma, uh, she was a wonderful Christian. She lived here in Cincinnati, and she was a great influence on me throughout my childhood. Um, both my parents attended God's Bible School, my dad for a short amount of time, and my mother uh, for a little longer than that. But um, both of them did not end up following the Lord and walking and, and continuing down that path in life. Um, so I, I grew up in an unchristian home. Um, as mentioned, about four years old, the two of them had split. So I uh, grew up knowing multiple different people that my mom was dating, and uh, she actually got remarried later on in life. But um, for quite a while there, I did not have uh, what you could, I guess, a traditional home home life. But I still had some great godly influences on me. My grandma was, uh, as I mentioned there, she she was a wonderful lady who showed God's love to me. My grandpa was a preacher for for. A, many years of his life, but he passed away when I was probably six or seven years old. But it's crazy the, even a little bit of the time that he sure, had such an impact sure. on me, even yeah. before then, that I, I knew I wanted to serve God my, my entire life. And for, for me, I think um, with my mom, she was a uh, daycare provider. She worked in multiple different jobs. For a while, she worked at a place called Landmark Baptist. It's here in Cincinnati. And she worked there. And because of that, I ended up getting to go to the school there for until third grade. Okay. And in first grade, I kept coming to my teacher and apologizing for so many different things, little things here and there. Uh, I scribbled on something. You know, I didn't quite pay as much attention as I felt I should. And multiple things, I kept coming to her and saying, I'm sorry about. And she said, I, I think you're under conviction, John. And she, 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 I either thought I was under conviction or she was uh, just kind of tired of me constantly coming up to her with things I uh, was, was doing wrong. Yeah. But she ended up pulling me aside and um, yeah. asked me if I want to accept the Lord in my heart. And mm-hmm. I have the Bible. It's one of the very few things I have from my childhood I still have today. But you I have still the Bible. have that Bible. I do. I do. And she wrote yeah. in there the day that I uh, gave my heart to the Lord. And uh, can't say that I, I, I can't, can't say that everything was uh, perfect ever from that point on, but God had uh, started a work in me then That's and he awesome. continued it over the years. You know, hearing you, and of course I know a lot of your story, but I of, you often hear out in society that children are resilient, divorce doesn't, you know, really hurt kids all that much. They're just because they can bounce back so easily. But John, is that really true? Having been raised in a family where divorce took place, is that true? And how does it affect, excuse me, how does it affect a child that's whenever that takes place. What were some of the feelings you experienced when that happened? That certainly is not true. It, uh, it definitely has an impact on you. I, um, I mean, I was, as I mentioned, I was young, I was four years old, but I, I remember the first thing is for me, I, I remember still standing in our trailer and 
convincing them that I would do better. Like somehow, even as a kid, I remember it was my fault. It was your I fault. I messed up. I, I remember the, the quote that, um, that, that, that I remember pleading us. I won't ask to go to Chuck E. Cheese again. I won't. <laughs> I'm done. I'm sorry. Yeah. We laugh about it, but it's sad mm-hmm. to, to think that somehow that you thought that this was your fault. You had brought this on and that you would somehow, if, if you would just be better, then things would be better. Absolutely. And and that and I have heard that story, John, so many times that children take on the blame as if somehow they are the cause. And then in his heart, you just don't shirk that, do you? No. As you no. move through and life. I, and I, I think I end up carrying a lot of things like that throughout life. And there's some good aspects of it that's, that in the end develop, I think, characteristics in right. me that I'm, I'm right. happy that I have. But I, um, at four years old, I felt like I became the man of the house. And I started... Trying, uh, there was a constant fear for my brother and sister, and having to watch over them, make sure that they were in line and they were doing what they ought to do. And I took on a lot of uh, responsibility at an age that responsibility isn't quite uh, accustomed to at that age. Right, right. Which again, today you're a highly responsible person. I mean, you've taken on so much responsibility even from early on. But on the flip side of that, the the negative is you feel responsible for things that are not your responsibility. Definitely a concern. Yeah, it definitely is. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about then how did you, I mean, how did you come to know Christ? So, uh, you gave your story about how you prayed at an early age there in a Christian school, but life went on from there, and, and not all of it was 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 pretty. No. Some was very difficult. So tell us about those next years, and how did you eventually come to attend church and really get settled in your walk with Christ. Yeah. So as I mentioned there, in about first grade there is when I decided a passion I wanted to serve God. But I stopped going to a Christian school. We ended up going to a public school. As I mentioned, the jobs got transferred quite a bit. And uh, things at home continued to, I guess I would say, get worse. Um, mm-hmm. After the divorce, my mom started drinking. And it continued to worsen and worsen and worsen over the years. And Sad. you see the effect on the home. You see the... Uh, the and the kind of kind of the crazy things is um, as my childhood I thought this was kind of normal I didn't notice anything and then I remember and my sister and I we joke about to this day we would go out and talk to friends and we'll just talk about something that happened on a casual Tuesday night and they're just kind of stare stop and stare at us and we're like oh that's not a normal part of childhood and like <laughs> no no those those things are not normal yeah, right but, but to you it was it, it was seemed, totally normal it, we didn't right. know any different I guess in my home I realized that we. Uh, I, we were definitely in the poverty line. We we low well below the poverty line, and that was that was evident in our lives. But um, through, throughout that time, I continued to go to public school, and I just hated it. I was a uh, portly, redheaded um, young man with uh, glasses who. I, I got to say, I don't think I was good about anything I uh, t- attempted. <laughs> and it was pretty evident and about all that. I, I was uh, I was second-string bench warmer for yeah. my uh, football team at the school there. Yeah. I, if, if someone got hurt, I got to sit on the bench, and that was about it because then, then they'd go into play. So um, I, wasn't, I wasn't great at, at that and, and many different things. I just remember getting kind of picked on. I never fit in. I never yeah. really met that group of friends. I'd uh, head on down to the bus stop early, and I'd get up early in the morning, and I would go. Then that, if I did that early, I had a certain place I could go and hide and wait till the bus got there, and That's I would sad, just do that. It? it was a miserable time in my life, yeah. and um, thankfully, my mom picked up on that. And yeah. as much as issues as she may have had over the years, she realized that I was very unhappy, mm-hmm. and that bothered her. Mm-hmm. And I, as I was going to the public school there, and she remembered around that time. She said, "I went to a Christian school when I was younger," and she's like. She didn't. It wasn't serving the Lord. She said, but she said, it, it, "I think I think that's something you would enjoy." 
And okay. we worked out a way, and it just it's crazy as a domino effect after that of she started calling around and seeing if there was availability for me to go there because she knew there was a college. She wasn't sure if there was this um, academy. And we ended up getting a hold of some people. And um, they said, yes, there's an academy here. And uh, yes, if you're interested in sending your son, we can try to work something out. Well, as I mentioned, we were well below the poverty line. So public school was free, private school mm-hmm. costing money. Um, but my grandma, she was still alive at that time. She reached out to a man who ended up having an amazing impact. And I am where I am today because of him, a man named Benny Durr. She called him and she said, well, my grandfather, Edward Colburn, when he passed away, he left behind a large book collection. He, he reminded me a lot of you in the way he's collecting books. He, he went to, a, he went to something that had nothing to do with books and walked away with five books. And yeah. I see that happen and <laughs> offering in your life. <laughs> Always bringing in more books. Yeah. Each I Sunday I come here, there's a set new stack on the table. So, <laughs> but he, he had a passion for those yeah. and he had quite the li- library um, built by this time. And she went to him and she said, well, he's been sitting in the basement. I have nothing to do with them. And he went through them all. And I remember, I remember him coming in there the first time I met this first time I really had met a Christian man. I, I was uh, probably finishing my eighth grade year. And um, I remember him coming there smiling at me. And like I, 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 in my head, I still remember him tussling my hair and kind of joking around with me. That's, that was back when you had hair, right? That's back when I had hair. Oh, okay, I just want to back when clarify I had hair. that. Okay. Clarify that for the radio audience. <laughs> At that time, there I was give hair him, to tussle. I just want to give him the visual. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> Yes, it definitely helps along, paints yeah. that picture. <laughs> oh, I had to get back at you. Okay, you jabbed me about the books. I have to jab you about that. So, all right, so uh, back to Benny Durr coming. So he came through there, and um, he had taken them all, and and end up paying, I believe, for the first two and a half years of my um, high school there. Oh, wow. And, and I got a chance to, and I, I remember the first day walking on campus, and it was, I laugh at it to this day, because as I mentioned, I went to a public school, and there it was very much tormented, very much treated, right. um, made fun of, bullied, yeah. yes. And yeah. um, and to, to such an extent there, it was almost a culture thing. You wouldn't even get, look someone in the eye, because if you looked them in the eye, you were almost giving them a... Given, given them uh, personality, given them uh, persona, and it, mm-hmm. people that weren't even people, you didn't even uh, you know acknowledge them when they walk into the room. Right. And I tell you, I, I, I walked on the campus and I saw everyone smiling at me, and and pastor, I tell you, they, the, the the ladies were smiling at me and friendly and waving, and I just thought I was walking in there and I was just a stud or something, and that everyone <laughs> everyone loved me. And I quickly realized a few months later that I, I miss uh, mis, uh, misplaced kindness for, uh, for from romantic interest, and I was definitely. <laughs> wrong that, that they're just something? super friendly and it's yeah. i thought wow yeah. i am just everyone must really really love me but it's just a, such a different atmosphere of love and kindness there i want to ask you something just pause it just for a minute mm-hmm. what did that do for how you felt about yourself oh, it, i mean what would you know i can imagine what you felt about yourself when you were bullied and and you were wouldn't even make eye contact how did those feelings and what feelings were they that changed in the, during oh, was, that interim period, it was period. huge. Um, it's, you, you know me now; I'm pretty um, open and, and uh, talkative. But um, honestly, before even coming in there, my parents, to the point, they thought that I might have some like problems, like as in I was not communicating. Um, we would go and see uh, different uh, for friends or family, and um, mm-hmm. I just wouldn't talk. I'd right. kind of sit in the corner by myself. My stepdad had a uh, lawn mowing business, and I remember the people almost thought there was, I was a mute because they th- really? they never heard me talk, and they just. I just, I kind of became a shell of a person. And I remember there at school, and now it, it, it wasn't like overnight, but I remember coming there and just realized that actually I'm, people actually like me. I actually have 
friends. It's fascinating. And, um, yeah. and, and boy, I fell in love with it. It was to the point where I, I remember my family would talk about, you know, for some reason they were, we, we had something coming up and said, well, we just won't go to school tomorrow. And it just, oh, I can't miss a day. I cannot miss a day. I got to be there. I was, I, I hate it. I, I, I honest to goodness hate it when yeah. they closed for snow days. Like kids were all jumping up and down for snow days. And I was disappointed because I had yeah. to go, I had to spend a day at home when I could have been at school. Yeah. And they're um, finding love and acceptance. Absolutely. And people are, are treating you with significance and value and it's life changing, isn't it? It sure was. And yeah. I, and I, and I just remember, so as I mentioned, my mom had, had her issues and I didn't have a whole lot of time at home to communicate with her because she had her own problems. And so things that were bothering me, I had no one to talk to. And I, uh, I started walking down. I was that, that same guy, that Benny Durr, who bought the books. He had a little bookstore up there. And I remember I'd walk in and start talking to him. And if he wasn't there, um, there was a Charlotte Frederick. <laughs> she sat there and she would sit there and laugh with me and talk to me and listen to right, my stories. Right. And um, I slowly started gaining confidence, grew some more friends. And then... Actually, about my junior year, I had a friend of mine um, come told me, he's like, if if you're going to, because in the end, I was I went down to a chapel service and Mike Avery was preaching and it was a powerful, powerful message. I said I got saved when I was younger, but this was a, this was a life transforming a, a message of, of, of like, who are you really going to be? Like, and, and, and that really defined is, yeah, I, I claim to be a Christian and I have that, I have that notation in my life, but is that really who I am? And that's kind of where that really started to change. And it was it was a it was a, me- a special message there. He he spoke, and God really worked in my heart that day. And I remember a classmate of mine came to me and said, "If you're really going to do this whole Christian thing, you need to start beyond just coming to this Christian school. You need to start going to church." And I lived right down the street from probably about two miles away from Kenwood Bible Methodist Church. Okay. And uh, and then uh, Benny Durr, who was the preacher of that church, just so many different things ended up working out there. It's amazing. Um, yes. And the funny thing is I didn't even I, – I at that time when I started going to the school there, I didn't, I didn't live in that house. I didn't live anywhere near the church. But over time I ended up moving cause, because we moved a lot because of finances and different mm-hmm. things, right. moving down the street there. And I didn't even know that he was preaching two miles down the road from me. And when he found out, he started knocking on my door. <laughs> and week after week, I remember yeah. he would come knocking on the door. We see his pickup truck pulling up there and my parents would start running because we had to hide everything in the house make it look really nice <laughs> my stepdad would try to find find a way to be busy because he said he said if he gets in here he's gonna tell me yeah. i have to come to church on sunday and i'm gonna yeah. probably tell him yes so i need to hide so he doesn't get that chance isn't that something you know yeah. i have i've as a pastor i've been on the other end of that sometimes mm-hmm. where i'm knocking on the door and knocking on the door and you can hear people rustling around inside <laughs> it's like what's going on in there you know and then suddenly the door open well hello pastor mm-hmm. and, yes. yeah you just wonder what what all got thrown in the cupboards or in the closets, you know. I can tell you what was thrown in the cupboards. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't the Reader's Digest. It wasn't magazine. the Reader's Digest, no. Okay, all right. All right. So that started, and you started coming to church as a result of Pastor Durr visiting and he continued, and he continued to invest in my life. He just, I mean, he he just, I became his sidekick. He'd bring me along to uh, to conference and 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 many different things. Just started really being an impact and influence in my life. And it's powerful. He, he he did such an amazing job um, working and in, uh, investing in me, and I, I'm so thankful for for that time. But as things were continuing to get better in that stance, some things at home were changing more and more. Um, I look, I look back on those years, and I'm so thankful that I had those people who really impacted my life. Now, my brother and sister had opportunities to come to God's Bible School two years later, but I think some of the trauma and the impact had affected them significantly. And so much of my brother, he uh, he started uh, he he started finding different ways to cope with um, depression, and and started becoming into, into being substance abuse, and and we started down the lines of. Uh, 
you know, so it started off basically smoking yeah. and it was uh, drinking and then it was some light recreational type drugs and that continued to progress. My grandma passed away. And then when she did that, that just continued to progress with my brother yeah. down to the point where ultimately that became his life. And, um, he ended up becoming homeless and it was a, it was a long struggle for many years. And I continued to have him back and forth in my home and, and, uh, we, we did what we could there, but ultimately it was, uh, nine years ago, this Thanksgiving, we had him down or this past Thanksgiving, we had him down and I could see a complete difference in him. You knew he started using some lot harder type drugs. It's so sad. And, um, when I was meeting with him there, I remember walking outside with him and I hugged him and I told him, said, I love you. I'm telling you goodbye today for probably the last time. And little did I know, even though I felt impressed to say that and talk to him, that was, that was the last time I saw him. Um, he, uh, he passed away of heroin overdose about a month later. Oh, it's so sad. I'm so sorry for your loss, John. That, and what was your brother's name? Jordan. Jordan. Yeah. yeah. And that has an impact on you still yet today, doesn't it? It does. It does. Great concern for people that are hooked with substance abuse. Yes. And, and that ultimately stemmed, um, more issues there with my mom. As I mentioned, she had continually had issues there. Um, I I noticed as I I would meet with her and see her, I think one of the the tell points was, was around nine in the morning. I went to meet her. We were um, moving some stuff around and I noticed that she already had some of the um, symptoms. I could tell that she had been drinking. I said, it's 9 a.m. and you're already pretty well been drinking. I knew then this was becoming a pretty big issue. And uh, we tried, we talked to her, got her in different rehabs and different things. And um, ultimately she did go into one rehab and she got clean there. But she had done so much work against her body over the years from medications, from alcohol abuse, that we, she, she ultimately she came back home and she just wasn't right. We ended up, long story, she ended up comes to moving in with us for a little while, then ultimately went to the hospital. And um, the doctor told her, the doctor called me after she got there and said that she had about, uh, she said she, she's probably got about seven to um, 14 days left to live. Wow. And uh, so, it was it, at that time. I these friends I had gathered, these people I have acquainted, um, I have known at the, at the school, um, influences in my life. I, I did a um, start reaching out to myself. I need you all to be praying for me. Okay. I didn't know what to do. She didn't, she did not know she was going to pass, and um, I, I wanted something different from my brother. I, I had opportunities, and I shared the message with him multiple times, but I, I left not knowing, not knowing right. what you know. If maybe, maybe in the last minute something made a difference in his life. My mom, I was I prayed God. I don't want to do this. I don't want to have a years of wondering. Right. Absolutely. So I went to the hospital with her and I went to um, talk to her. And when I started sharing God's message with her, the things I had learned over the years and what he'd done in my life, mm-hmm. she had no interest. Wanted, didn't want to talk about, she wanted to complain about the nurses and the staff and how everyone was mistreating her. And oh my. I remember I walked out of the room and I said, I, I said, group these messages. I, said, I need you all to pray for me now. And he went on the hall and I went on the hallway and I'm somewhere in the corner of the hospital. I prayed, I prayed. And then we walked back into the room. I walked back into the room with her and I said, Hey, I want to continue this conversation. And her whole demeanor changed. She just smiled. She's like, I would like that. At this point, she That's had amazing. no idea that she was going to die. Okay. We walked down through the Romans road with her and talked about, you know, you know how God came to save her. Like she, yes. she, she, she was, God loved her. And this is something that she didn't quite comprehend. It was something that a love that she hadn't seen in her life. Um, as much as I can say the different things that I had struggles and things I had to go through, she had even more of, of, of obstacles and hangups and, mm-hmm. As we went through that, she she it was an amazing moment that I could pray with my mother there. It would ultimately oh, be on her deathbed. 
Wow. And she gave her heart to the Lord there. <laughs> and it was such an amazing time that um, yes. the next few days, instead of being that annoying uh, an, an annoying patient that was pestering all of her nurses, she was telling them about Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? It is. It yeah. is. And my, my kids, the um, one of the uh, last moments my kids got to see around her as we were in hospice care, she went pretty quickly. Um, the last day that she was lucid, we... We went there, it was on a Sunday, and I had been staying with her. I decided I was just going to, that, that was going to be my world for a while. And I just um, stayed there for about two weeks, sleeping on the couch. And um, on the kids came back on one last day because she was kind of waking up in and out of it. She came, we all had lunch there, and the kids all sat around her bed and talked to her for a minute. And she stopped and she said, I want to sing a song I remember um, when I was younger. And um, you're going to have to help me because I'm not great on these songs. But she started, so she goes, it goes something like this. And she started 10 and 9. Eight and seven, six and five and four, uh, six, five, four, three, two, one. Call upon the Savior while you may. A childhood song. Childhood song. Yeah. About um about going to heaven, it and and she sang it to my wow. kids, and and I and it was such a special moment. And after she sang that, after they left, she never and have have a lucid conversation after that. But she went to go be with the Lord a couple Praise days later. God, isn't that wonderful? In the grace of God, an amazing thing. Absolutely. Is. Yeah, yeah. That is so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that, John. I really appreciate it. You know, now your family, I see your family, you and Mary and the kids come in on Sundays and I see them and, you know, Liam was in a program last night at Academy and, uh, you know, I see, and then Sunday morning, your other children were involved in a church program. Mm -hmm. Uh, You've broken a cycle in your family that may continue for generations to come of Christians that are going to be born and raised and and come to know Jesus Christ. What would you say to somebody out there? We've just got a couple minutes left here. What would you say to somebody out there whose story may be similar to yours, and yet they, maybe they feel like there's no hope for them, or they feel like there's no hope that their lives, because I'm sure you felt and experienced senses, a sense of hopelessness at times, that life was never going to be any better. You never dreamed you'd have the good life you have today, no. did you? No. What would you say to somebody like that if you were sitting with them in a coffee shop or at a restaurant? What would be a couple of things you would say to them? I, th- I think there's so many people who, who end up serving the Lord. They have that but God moment in their lives. Mm-hmm. Like I, I look I look at so many different things. I could come up with excuses and say, well, this happened to me, and this, this wasn't right, and, I, and I'm not happy with how this happened, and I didn't deserve that. And it's true. In many ways, we didn't deserve that. And I, I can go back, continue down that path, and say, you know, I I, I should be able to uh, indulge in in whatever you know substance abuse I I did to, to cope with what I dealt with. But I look back at my life and I say, but God, He stepped in so many different times, and He sent people, and I can I see He sent faces. I remember seeing these faces in my life who continued to to come about and to invest in me. And our past define us. They, they they define us in many ways and the things that happen to us, but they they don't excuse us to continue down that path and they don't give us um, mm-hmm. a re- reason that we have to continue down that path. And I'm I'm so thankful that my wife and I've we, we've we, we've talked about it that we're we're going to start a new generation just like you Amen. mentioned there. That's so great. Thankful for that. That's great. Well, John, thank you so much for being part of today's Hope Along the Journey. We appreciate it so much, and I appreciate you as you know. Yeah, you and I are very close, and I have a deep appreciation for you and your family. Same and for you. Listeners, thank you so much for being part of today's episode. Again, just want to remind you, we would love to hear from you. So please reach out to us through social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, um, Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. 
I encourage you today, as John did so many years ago, to look to Jesus, for Jesus is truly the hope of the world. And if you look to him, he'll help you to find hope along the journey. God bless you, and thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you would like to know more about Hope Along the Journey, or if you would like to make a donation to show your support and appreciation for this ministry, then visit our website at hopealongthejourney.org. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again for more Hope Along the Journey.